This is Carol Hoxbergen, founder of Hoxie's Native Seeds, and I'm very proud to be the sponsor of the Prairie Farm Podcast. Coffee Time Wednesdays with uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. Can't hit us with the jingle. Do 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 do. Welcome back to the Prairie Farm Podcast, Coffee Time Wednesday, the best part of your week, possibly the worst part of ours. We, thankfully, today are joined by, well, myself, your favorite host, Nicholas Lear, your favorite co-host, Kent Boucher, hello, hello. and your favorite co-host to the co-host, Peyton Skarnich, who hasn't been with us in a year. I'm back, baby. Man, and we actually have a guest, our uh, our favorite production assistant, the the almighty Sorry, Ben Ezra. Yeah, sorry, you just haven't been around as long. But uh, Ben, thanks for thanks for hanging out with us today. Hey, anytime. Well, you guys don't know this about Ben, but uh, Ben consumes knowledge, like more knowledge than is healthy for a human to hold in their brain. Is he's, what Ben has. He's basically the human equivalent of the internet. It's not all like the right knowledge. It's not all <laughs> useful or applicable. But he's got most of it in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Actually, he was just telling us earlier about how Joe Biden is a reptilian. Can you, Ben, tell us about it? You're going to get us in major trouble, Nick. My goodness. It all, it all starts with Rothschild. I'm just kidding. So, uh, Ben is not a conspiracy theorist, but he is. he loves to investigate Isn't things. it reptilian? Isn't that reptilian garbage, uh, like QAnon conspiracy mm-hmm. stuff? I don't know. Nick, actually, goes, Nick goes to like the most damaging conspiracy well, that, theory that way, group out there. That way people know it's a joke. If I do like one that isn't. No, they don't know it's a joke. They just watch those people storm the Capitol two years ago. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> That's fair. Nothing's a joke anymore. I thought he was actually a flightless bird. A reptilian? Yeah, like reptilian-like, but more amphibian than reptilian. reptilian were the shape-shifting people that control the world. No. That's what I thought, too. That's the Rothschilds. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, 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 okay. Mm-hmm. So, I think I'm... You think those noses going... are like the side effect of like shape-shifting too much? Yeah. <laughs> no longer can fly. Pterodactyls. Uh, okay. There's I'm a lot of for, things. Wait, wait, no, no, do. no more of this. <laughs> we are not a podcast about conspiracy theories. We are not a podcast about sports. We are not a podcast about politics. We are like, a podcast about prairie and conservation and agriculture and hunting and conspiracy theories and politics. So, solid yeah. agents outside my house yeah. send help. So, okay, this I'm is gonna, the info war. No, 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 no. Cut okay, it. I'm going first. I'm going first, and then we'll go around the circle. Uh, so we got a little. We got we got quite a crew here today. Mine is about <clears throat> recycling. Okay, I know that we talked about this before, guys, but I was uh, talking to a waste management person recently. Today, I, he called him today. Nick, no, 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 no. I was talking to Nick someone. Nick had to sprint to the garbage can with his trash this morning <laughs> to, get a, to get in there. In time. Oh no, no, no! Trash came this morning, and I missed it. I just missed it. <laughs> I realized because I had. I drove I, when I was driving to get something uh, from the store this morning. I thought to myself, "Hmm, I missed it. It's too late. <laughs> I've already left my house." So, no, I uh, I had talked to someone just like that I know in Knoxville that works in waste management, and we were talking about recycling. I was like, "I need to do more about this. I need to figure out more about this." So I was looking up articles, and there's actually not a lot of evidence either way. The most reliable thing I could find was NPR and Iowa Public Television uh, joined together 
to try and figure out what was happening with our recycling. And uh, they, well, actually, I can probably pull it pull it up. Um, basically, they said like a very small percentage of anything that is recycled gets recycled, and the problem is sorting. Well, that's one of two major problems. One, uh, just burning the recycling and melting it back down, it like becomes more expensive than just making new recycling. So it might it might be better for the earth. It might not. I don't know. Burning, mean making new. Wait, what do you mean by making new recycling? Yeah. Or sorry, making new plastic. I meant plastic. Thank you, Peyton. Um, so making new plastic just costs oil and gasoline. Is that something like that? We're gas, both experts. Gas, uh, sure. Petroleum is used, um, which is used in gas. That's what I was. That's what I, I was reading something earlier. That, but, and then now they're saying that in the. In, Organic chemist Nicholas Larry. Dude, that that is me. I paid attention in that class heavily. Uh, but basically, this lady who used to work in recycling was like, um, yeah, not really much of it goes to recycling. We used to ship it all to China, which last time we talked about recycling, we had said. And then China said, hey, we're not going to take it anymore. So most of it just goes to a landfill. People think they're making a good choice by going with another material, but turns out that <clears throat> material may be causing deleterious environmental impacts mm. what about that are glass? greater does does making glass is that like really bad for the environment um it's it uses a lot of heat which then means it's using a lot of uh fuel so carbon emissions might be higher i don't know yeah i don't know but but that's got that's definitely different than like <clears throat> petroleum you know well i mean you you got to mine for both fuel sources and reusable. Glass I think I imagine um, I imagine uh, glass ovens are heated with uh, gas, probably propane. And yeah. so, uh, you know, and, but I, if we switched to from plastic, which is like probably one of the most applicable sources in the world. So let's say even if it wasn't applicable to 100% cardboard, what effect would that have on our forests and our trees? Anyway, that's, right. that's a really good point. And I don't, we don't need to go 100%. Yeah, that's a good point. We just need to use less, including myself. Yeah. yeah. I think a good point that we need to raise is that uh, if we deal with increased carbon emissions, there are you know positive solutions to that. We can talk about reforestation. We can talk about carbon sinks in terms of forests, in terms of prairie, in terms of other methods. That is a lot easier to swallow and a lot easier to plan for than massive landfills that don't go away. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the, turn, point. the turnaround on that, I feel like, is a lot faster than waiting for plastic to decompose That's over hundreds point. of years. Yeah, yeah. That is smart of us. Which yeah. is another good reminder to when you throw away your, or pretend to recycle, your plastic bottles. Oh, no. <laughs> take the lid off. Yeah. Don't leave, don't leave that little bit of water left in that bottle. Who knows? Could stay in there for a thousand years. Save the earth. Unscrew your water bottles. By the way, I do think another option could be just sanitizing some of the plastic. Like Gatorade bottles. Those things are built to survive a nuclear you know, apocalypse. Why not just send them back to Gatorade, heat, you know, hot, soapy water, dish, you know, we, we yeah. reuse. So you're saying make the plastic even more intense, but then reuse it. Or not necessarily plastic that, but plus. plastic that already exists like that. <laughs> uh, reuse think. it. Reuse the stuff that could be. We do that all the time at restaurants, right? We're eating, we're drinking out of glasses that have been used for years and eating eating off of silverware and plates that have been used for years by other people why can't we do that with 
some of our heavier duty yeah. plastic bottles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I had a plastic water bottle. So when we were at the prayer conference last week, I uh, had gone to Casey's to get breakfast because I woke up late. And I realized I didn't bring any water with me. And I got a plastic water bottle from Casey's. And I thought to myself, no way am I bringing this inside the conference. So I just <laughs> went in the conference with no water. Because they, kept, they kept walking out. To I literally, I didn't see a single other plastic water bottle there, which was awesome. Yeah. But didn't see a single one. Yeah. Anyway, but Peyton, we've gone long enough on me. We'll just skip me then, I guess. Sorry. It's Kent, over to you. What? No. no. no, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah. I've, uh, as you may know, um, we're entering an El Nino phase of uh the world which are like climate based you said as you may know i i don't do know. you have any idea what know el nino, nino is did he yeah. just move in it's i think what's confirmed we're in like el nino effects ah. <laughs> shut up ben <laughs> <laughs> um does not mean well it does mean the boy in spanish but it's referring to um trade winds weakening in the pacific causing warmer ocean temperatures um basically all in the pacific ocean which for the Midwest, it means a couple of things. It means you're going to see higher temperatures um, this summer and fall and probably into the winter as well. Um, and you're going to probably see more precipitation. Oh, um, like that's a trade. Talking like one to two, in, not inches, degrees Celsius, which in that's Fahrenheit terms, it's like two and a half to three and a half degrees Fahrenheit. Um, don't know why they. How long use- does this period last? Nah, I don't know. I think two to seven years hmm. is like the typical cycle. But like a boy, like a young boy. That's Before why it's he called. Before he becomes a young man, you send him <clears throat> off into the woods to fight his first bear. Two to seven years old. <laughs> Which is going to come up in our next topic. El Nino, baby. El Nino. <laughs> is that like the beginning of the movie 300 where the like little boy has to go off and fight the saber-toothed tiger? Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Paid so defeated, his topic just got pooped. <laughs> Anyways, expect to see some hotter, wetter temperatures throughout this summer well, and we fall. We can get rainforest here. And it's interesting because in Canada, you're actually seeing the opposite effects because it causes drier weather in Canada. So that is why they're seeing drought and um, you could the say some continuing. yeah fires mm-hmm. would be a minor part of it. That is interesting. I thought El Nino was an every four-year cycle, but maybe not. It Not necessarily. For, it's not like an election span where they're just like, ah, oh, we're going El Nino, La Nina. Term limits here. Term limits. <laughs> El Nino is now out. We have La Nina yeah. in here. That's actually the opposite of that, essentially. We have no. a La Nina. Yeah, yeah, La Nina is another weather event. That, yeah. That's one of those things that, so I used to be a, an earth science teacher and so i'm supposed to be all studied up on this stuff and i've always felt a little guilt that i didn't spend more time learning about el nino and la nina and and ocean like i spent some time on it but i don't know i i i'm not very well versed in it but um it is it is always a you know a bigger impact than i think we realize and so i'm glad you brought it up yeah we can be paying attention to it we definitely have had more rain so far this year yeah so much more than last year which is great quite a bit more but at the same time that's kind of isolated to central iowa i mean a lot of people around us south central iowa like far south northern missouri they're not yeah our friend steve hansen made a post last week about one of his agricultural fields just it's still in seed like it hasn't, it yeah. hasn't even uh, germinated yet, and it does dry. it does impact different um, regions in different ways too. Like not every region is going to be wetter and hotter, but especially in North America and specifically the Midwest, you're going to see hotter, wetter 
um, by a pretty significant margin hmm. on average temperatures and precipitation rates. That means hmm. we're like 10 trees away from being a rainforest, right? Um, it actually was humid enough um, in Iowa the past week to really be considered a rainforest <coughs> in terms of like humidity. It was the average humidity yeah, I think of it was like 98 <clears throat> percent over uh, the weekend. Now we're just missing any sort of uh, uh, you know diverse uh, vegetation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think but, it's incredible that we've gotten that level of humidity without the corn popping yet. That's true. Usually uh, we rely on the corn to break us into sweat. I think yeah. we also, it's good to acknowledge the fact that the lower agricultural outputs in other areas of the country could affect CRP in many different ways. Yeah, mm, definitely. It is good to point that out. And also it is good to point out for any CRP or prairie grass needs in general, um, go to our sponsor, Hoxie Native Seeds. Yeah, but if you're going to be ordering CRP, it is officially for the fall at this yeah, point. Yeah, you, you are too late to do this break. I actually just put on the Prairie Farm website, um, any orders from now on have to be or will be delivered in the fall because we don't want you planting something in the second half of July and then being like, well, uh, uh, why isn't it coming up? So, Yeah, you got to have some moisture for that seed to take off. Uh, the thing I came across, I've actually mentioned at least a time or two on our previous Coffee Time podcast. Um, I came across this article uh, put out by the Cowboy State Daily, so um, a, uh, a news source for you Wyomians. How do you say that? Wyomingians? Wyomites. Wyomites. Yeah. Similar to the bed bug, Wyomites. Wow. Sorry, people from Wyoming. Just as invasive. You're actually awesome. <laughs> There's um, like no, nobody lives in Wyoming. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, this article is titled, Grizzlies used to roam the plains. No plans to reindu- reintroduce them, however, which is going to play into Ben's next, or, or uh, his, his segment. But um, it's by, uh, it's by, it's by Mark, Mark Hines is uh, the person who talked about this. And we actually interviewed Bob Jackson a couple months ago, and he talked about this same thing. And uh, although I I don't think it's accepted in official um, uh, wildlife historical data that uh, grizzlies were in Iowa, um, Bob believes that they would have been, and his argument for that is pretty compelling. Um, especially when he talked about how, uh, he made reference to the, um, Hugh Glass event that most people probably heard of because of the movie, the Revenant, um, where, uh, you had the guy get attacked by the grizzly and he crawled back to safety at a fort, you know, like a hundred miles away or something. And, um, he, uh, Hugh Glass was attacked in South Dakota and it, Based on what Bob was telling us, that exact location is like, I think he said, 60 miles from the Iowa border. So I would say it's very possible. Plus, we used to have um, short-faced bears mm-hmm. in Iowa. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Julie Meachin and there's not us about that. There's not a lot of pe- humans alive that have observed nature more than Bob Jackson has observed it and like watched its patterns and right and he's stared and studied bears yeah. down the down the like down the gun barrel you know yeah, he's, right and so 
And so, uh, you know, the fact that there's been other massive bears, you know, black bears, that's a little bit different story. I would, I mean, I don't know a ton about short-faced bears, but from what I've read, they seem much more similar to a grizzly than to a black bear. And so if they were here at one point, it certainly is, you know, likely that grizzlies would have been as well. But they're, again, you're going to, if you fact check me on this, you're not going to find that supported in research. It's just entirely speculation and based off of a really credible source in Bob Jackson. But, um, uh, this article talked about, though, the fact that grizzlies were found out in the plains, and uh, they really aren't anymore. They're mostly a uh, alpine species now. They're up in uh, the mountains in Montana and Wyoming and um, in Idaho. Um, I think there might be some in Oregon and maybe Washington State as well. Um but again you know there's no grizzlies in south dakota no grizzlies in north dakota no grizzlies in nebraska anymore or colorado they they uh have been extirpated from those areas and the article just you know mentioned a few things it talked about how grizzlies are known for their uh incredible temper short fuse especially uh, nastiness right yeah just just very ferocious I, I i don't know if there is a more ferocious animal in nature wolverine. they're just very short yeah maybe maybe a wolverine you know it's kind of a toss-up there dude wolverine just always woke up on the wrong side of the bed yeah yeah but grizzlies too i mean grizzlies yeah, too fair. and um they say so there's a theory here for why that is and it is because growing up and living on the plains a grizzly you know had to develop a very ferocious attitude because it was flight was never really an option there's nowhere to go you're in tall prairie grass you know you can't you can't go run up a tree like a black bear you can't go run into a into a what are grizzly bears yeah, what, what is from? other grizzlies oh, okay uh, other grizzlies or wolves or short-faced bears back to yeah short-faced bears they would have been around at the same time so so uh the the fact that and even when they're younger animals you know they're more vulnerable than at that time too so they had it's like if if every creature has a flight or fight response theirs on the prairie was always fight mm. and so it's like stayed in their their behavior behavioral adaptation for all this time and um just to give you some interesting food for thought here and then i'll pass it off to ben there is a philosophy among hunt hunters and people around hunting hunting guides uh, meat packers that grizzlies in the lower 48 are are less afraid of man than grizzlies in alaska or or parts of canada where i don't know if in any parts of canada they're allowed to be hunted anymore but that's a pretty recent thing. You used to be able to hunt them in at least British Columbia. Hmm. Um, the The mindset is because they've been protected for so long here in the lower 48, they have lost their fear of man. Man isn't allowed to hunt grizzlies anymore. And uh, whereas if you go up to Alaska, they are allowed to be hunted. Yeah. So when a grizzly sees a human, they do actually choose a flight response up there. Whereas Occasionally, down, sometimes. Whereas down here uh it's it's uh you're viewed as a curiosity yeah or a threat yeah curiosity or, best or, case. or a meal you know yeah 
And so, man, so a uh, pretty interesting little hmm. thing that relates to that. That's pretty cool. Well, Ben. Last but not least, uh, I just like to open up with a little. Don't fact. put words in our mouth. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely least. <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're glad you're here. So, sorry, what were you saying? A little, a little fact about short to face bears. If you follow the Bering Strait, uh, America's mm. migration philosophy, a big popular theory about why it took human beings so long to successfully traverse the Bering Strait is the presence of short faced bears. Short-faced bears, of course, being larger, if I'm not mistaken, than grizzly bears, and certainly uh, probably having no fear of man since they had not interacted with them before. You can imagine that. And no humans with guns. <clears throat> absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hey, can, Ben, keep your, your, your mic a little closer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so you can definitely imagine why that would be an issue. Uh, my article comes from across the pond in Australia, where they are dealing with reintroducing native species that have been extirpated not extinct but extirpated from their native lands in Hmm. this particular case it's an animal known as the woolly a woolly is a smaller marsupial that jumps on the ground you might consider it close to a kangaroo Um, and what they're uh, struggling with in australia is they they breed these animals in haven conservation areas and over the generations they've bred them obviously they're not giving them they're not uh, breeding a single pair to throw back into the wild. They want to have quite a few animals with genetic diversity to throw out in the wild. When they do that, these animals have lost the traits to survive against the many predators that they encounter in the mm. uh, their native grounds in Australia. <clears throat> and this goes into something called the predator-prey dynamic, which if you look at the food chain, you'll realize the food chain is a pyramid. And there are a lot more herbivores than there are predators. And what that does is... It allows the uh, the prey animals to reproduce faster than they could be hunted, and it also allows the uh, predator animals <clears throat> to wean themselves to be stronger, faster, more intelligent hunters. And there's a principle that goes along with that that says prey animals will always be better at escaping predators than predators will be at catching them. That sounds like a pretty simple principle, but it is essential to maintaining the stability of an ecosystem. And in this particular case, as we talk about the woolies, we can see that that principle has gone away, that the woolies aren't good at escaping their predators, so it'll be much harder to reintroduce them. And I think as we talk about introducing other animals, such as uh, elk or wolves or bison back into certain parts of the Midwest, that too. Yeah. <laughs> bring we, we could bring them back, Kent, you and me. Is to reintroduce You guys will thank us later. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to Canada, catch a couple, drop them off in the cornfield, say see you later. Cut them off in a cul-de-sac. Oh gosh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Just put them in a cul-de-sac. You know? I'm just thinking oh of that uh, video where they release the bear and immediately the bear bolts out and dives onto the cameraman before running away. Dude, Carter or, Neumeyer yeah, told he, us a story about that. That's probably the one you're thinking of where the guy, the, the guy stands on top of the culvert trap to mm-hmm. pull the gate up and the <clears throat> Chris like reaches around and like knocks the whole thing off the back Dude. of the truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, episode what is that? Episode 8? Like the 11 or first it's 10 maybe. Eight. And uh, eight. and another back reference too if you haven't listened to episode 1 of the prehistoric prairie, uh, we talk about the Bering Land Bridge <laughs> and that theory of the short-faced bear with uh, Dr. Russ. Benedict. Yeah. Russ Benedict. So uh, go, go back and uh, check out that episode. I Spent three hours yesterday on Sunday afternoon, three hours working on unpaid. Episode, I hope 
<laughs> no, I just took it out of your account. Yeah. Uh, shoot. Uh, and uh, three hours on episode two. So it's coming very soon. Man. Very soon. What, uh, well, back to what Ben was saying, the, the prairie chicken. They're having a similar issue with that. They can, like, breed a bunch of prairie chickens. Pheasants, quail, yeah, same if you, thing. If you uh, raise a pheasant like you do a chicken in a chicken coop or something, and then you release them to be hunted... I've been told what they do is they just fly up and they just keep flying up. They don't actually know to glide somewhere else. They don't. They don't have that instinct. Well, and I th- think if you release enough of them, that's what I'm there's saying. There's going to be a couple that are like, we yeah. got this shit figured out. And if you like, like, like prairie chickens, if you release them and you keep releasing them, I'm thinking just numbers and genetic pool wins at that point. I'm wondering if they need to do that with the woolly. Yeah, the where prob- they just basically make it takes it a lot of you know that's a big investment to yeah. to do that. Had but, taxpayers. You know, <laughs> you know another interesting thing too about Ben's example in Australia is one of the the, the hardships of doing of, of doing conservation work, wildlife conservation work in Australia, is they don't have a lot of different types of predators. They have some for sure. Everyone's, Crocodiles. Everyone's favorite spiders. The dango. Snakes. The dango? Dingo. Dingo. Oh, is, yeah, is which it? is just their version of the coyote. Right. They'll eat your babies. But, um, the, but like feral cats are a huge problem there. They've decimated prey species, and there's not a lot of critters that can eat feral cats. Mm. And so uh, that's become a problem for them. Yeah, but is feral cats worse than feral dogs? You know what I mean? You release a bunch of like... Well, I don't know. Does Australia well, have their Dingoes version aren't of feral wolf? dogs. They're, they're an actual... No, no, animal. no, but like... I think we also need to address the fact that the main problem with feral cats is that feral cats hunt for sport. They hunt for fun. They don't hunt to fulfill their nutritional needs. They do oh. that, but they hunt more than what they should. And oh, that's so big, they're humans. Those crazy Just cats. like humans well, hunting more than they yeah, need I mean, to. Cats are, cats are buttholes. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I asked my wife, I was like, do you... Uh, would you ever want a cat? She's like... I don't know. I want a pet, but I want one that doesn't think it's better than me, uh, <laughs> which might speak to our own arrogance as humans. But yeah, cats are they're buttheads. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Interesting. I got to I got to remind my cat that it was me who was made in the image of God. <laughs> so, so, so here's here's an interesting here's an interesting thing. In North America, we have tons of like big, you know, dangerous uh, predators that Australia doesn't have, but we don't also don't have like spiders that, <laughs> that want to kill you. Oh my like God. Australia. So which, which would you rather have? Would you rather it be like Australia situation where you got like sea urchins and stuff that are lurking right, <laughs> right on the edge of the Dude, Have you ever seen a spider crab? They're huge. They're like the size of these chairs. Yeah. Aren't those the things that like ate Amer- Amelia Earhart? What? The I thought she crabs? went down over the, I thought she died in the, no, crab. no, she definitely got eaten by spider crabs. Oh man! <laughs> Never meet your I heroes. I had no idea about that. But. All right, thanks so much for listening, guys. <laughs> <laughs>